Well, welcome to the TAC RAG. I am Kevin Nelson, and it is my privilege to get to introduce you to Miss Rachel James. Rachel is the owner of Torque Financial. And I asked her, Rachel, what does torque mean? And she goes, you know, like the torque wrench. So, Rachel, welcome to the TAC RAG. Thank you so much, Kevin. I'm so excited to be on your show today and to have a great conversation about collision. Well, and I guess I, I'm excited and, and very anxious to understand exactly what it is that you do and how you support the collision industry. Yeah. Um, so Torque Financial Group, it's a firm specific um in many ways to the blue collar industry at large, uh, because of my background in the collision industry, that's typically where a, a large majority of our clients exist just because of the relationships that I've had along you know, my journey in collision. But our mission is really to help leaders in the trade industry, you know, specifically collision, um, make the most of their money. And our belief is that it doesn't matter whether you're the prepper, the painter, the body tech, the owner, paint rep, executive tier of a vendor or whatever, we all deserve a financial plan and we deserve you know, information to help us get better with our money. I think what's interesting is that for whatever reason, finance is still so very much taboo and we don't talk about it socially. We seldom talk about it with family and friends. So we're left to kind of learn from what we read or what we see on the internet or observation. So our, our hope is to break down barriers and give access and education to those around us to help them, you know, make good choices and help them get more comfortable with it. Well, that's that's incredible. Now, let's go back to what you said earlier, your background in the collision business. How did you enter? I think I know, but for, for our audience, how did you enter into this world of collision repair? Yeah, so I went to vocational school. I went to tech college. Um, I started my professional career as a technician for a Nissan dealer. Uh, it was a group, it got bought out while I was there, but it was a group one automotive dealership. And I started out on the automotive repair side of the industry as a technician. And then I, after a couple of years, moved to a Chevy Hyundai dealer. And that was really where I got the first inkling of collision and auto body repair. Um, the two departments were very close to one another and I went to night school to get my appraiser's license to, you know, write estimates on vehicles at night and, and really started to get more of an interest in collision. And then after a couple of years, I got approached by a local PPG distributor and they, you know, at first asked me to jump ship and go work for them. And I said, no, 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 I, I, I like what I'm doing. I don't, I don't want to leave. And they continued, they were just very persistent. And eventually I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. You know, they caught me on a good day. I was pissed or, or annoyed or something. <laughs> you know, there's a part that didn't show up and didn't fit or something. And I was like, all right, I'm out. So, um, yeah, I forget exactly what, but I took that opportunity and it opened up this whole other path for me of collision. And I worked for that job for a couple of years. And then, you know, I got a job working for PPG corporate. Um, and I started as a territory manager and then got into the role as business development manager. And, and thankfully we had, you know, a lot of really great professionals up in the Northeast who were really technically savvy. So my role kind of turned into this hybrid of, of being helpful more about the business solution, like helping them understand their PL, helping them understand their finances. And at the time, PPG had this really cool, like rebate, uh, program where you could get 
college tuition paid for. So I said, shoot, I'm never going to get this again in my life. I'm going to take this for what it's worth. So I went to, you know, I worked all day for PPG and then I'd go to college at night and I went for my bachelor's in business. And what was cool is all through school, I would use the problems, you know, the business problems that a shop owner would present. And then I would bring that to class and go, hey, you know, one of my clients was trying to understand their P&L, you know, how do I do that? So it was kind of cool to use real life experiences as, and, and then bring it to school and then, you know, make it all work. But um, ultimately, you know, the industry has changed so much, right? Like when I think about working on cars in the driveway with, with my family, like my dad and stuff, you know, it was roll up windows and carbureted engines and, and a more simplistic type of uh, like project. Right. Now you look at a car and these things are like magical. They just have all these, you know, advancements to them. So what's interesting that I've seen in the last 15 years is that there's been sort of this movement of like, ooh, we need to get better as business owners and more shrewd around money and finance and understanding these things. And for me, like probably five or seven years ago, I realized like, shoot, like this is really where I could probably be the most helpful and make impact and really started to pursue like, okay, what would it take to become a financial advisor? What would it take to get more licenses and designations? And I, I think I'll be a student for the rest of my life, Kevin. Like, I don't know if it'll ever stop. I'm still taking continuing ed now, but, um, you know, I opened kind of the practice with a hope and a prayer that, you know, I, I'd be able to make help and impact. And it's, it's been really, you know, cool to, um, be able to help shop owners and techs and it's, you know, just provide information. Um, I say this like all the time, but I uh, I feel like when it comes to finance, none of us want to be bad with it. Like we all want to be, I don't think anyone's walking around like, Oh, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm going to wake up broke tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. No one right. wants that. So I feel like it's kind of like having your shoe untied. Like if, you know, if, if your shoe's untied, there's two ways to figure it out. Either you trip and fall or someone points it out and you you tie your shoe. And I think that's kind of where, you know, where the people telling you like, hey, look, here's some blind spots for you that you should probably be paying attention to. That's awesome. Uh -huh. Now, I think, I think I know this correctly, but do you remember Mike Patnaud? I definitely do. Well, Mike, <laughs> Mike is now one of our regional vice presidents, right? And so it's it, it's very cool. I'm the the connection between your company and our company is great. Now, you were just at before we started this conversation, you told me that you had just been at a PPG conference. So you is part of your work also working with just PPG or are you working with other organizations as well yeah. to support their customers? Yeah, I'm really trying to just get the information out there. So really like I have volunteered wherever I can, wherever I can get the message out to try and just change the conversation and talk about budget and talk about finance, however we possibly can. So you'll see me everywhere. Someone will accept me because I'll, you know, pay my own way. I want to volunteer. I, I just want to be able to share, educate and elevate who I consider are my peers in the whole industry. So Yes, I did come back from that conference. It was wonderful. They they hosted a really, really nice event and had so many fantastic speakers, Kevin. Like I was also a, a student of the, the conference as well, sitting in on some of the speakers. But it's funny, you mentioned Mike Patton. He was such a great mentor to me uh, and in my career and such a great leader to work. He was uh, my direct like report, who I reported to. 
And I can tell you in the eight, almost nine years that I worked with him, well, even more, because when I worked at the distributor, he was our rep. So I worked with him for a long time and you guys are lucky to have him. No, he's a great, he's, he's, he's a great guy. Great, great leader, as you said, and, and uh, yeah. is doing a fantastic job for us. All right. So now let's go back to your work with the shops. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about, does, do you, is it typically a shop owner that is engaging you to come in and work solely with them on looking at succession planning or retirement or do they also bring you in to say, okay, I want you to work with my technicians as a, as a value add to them and their compensation package. What all do you, how do you help everybody? Yeah. um, Good summary for sure, Kevin, of of the work that we're doing. I mean, ultimately we're, we're typically starting at the owner level and trying to get an understanding of where they're at businesses can look so different, right? Like, and I'm sure you see this in your book of business that you guys have nationally, right? Like you've got some shops that are smaller, some that are large, some that have multiple locations, some that never want to grow bigger. So I think the first step for us is understanding where the business owner is in their phase of life. Did they just start the business last year or are they second generation and trying to transfer on to their their kids? So um, I think our first step is just understanding what's top of mind for them. We're comprehensive planners in the sense that we look at it all. We're looking at, um, you know, profitability within the business. What are they doing to carve money out for themselves as owners? We're valuing the business. We're projecting, you know, can they transfer this to a technician or to one of their loved ones or private equity, right? So like we're we're trying to look through the lens of a variety of, of things, but usually the owner has one or two things that are top of mind for them. And, and really, I think it's... we we more or less, we do a complimentary assessment and we kind of say, here are the five to 10 things that we think you should be looking at now and through the future. And then it's up to them to decide what they want to do. And if, if they want any help with implementing it, then we help them do it. But, but we're more or less just kind of giving them the, like the repair order, if you will, of like their business to say, here's, here's what we think you should do. And in what order, um, just like you would approach a quarter repair. Right. And, and then on the flip side of that, like not everyone can afford to offer benefits to their team, right? They, they maybe can't afford to offer a retirement plan or, or benefits. And sometimes it's just helpful to meet with a technician in, you know, individually and help them get what they want. So if, if you have a tech who wants to save for retirement, I mean, they can do that on their own via IRAs. So um, really it's, it, it changes every situation. No shop has ever been the same. They're all unique and they all kind of have their own, uh, challenges that they face, whether it's their location, their size, you know, limitations, certifications, right? Um, and, it, you know, even it's been really cool, I think, working so much with the technicians and helping them. Um, we just hired a young woman, Allison, on our team, and her whole role is really to help more of the technicians and the employees below the owner to help us because there's so many, there's so many technicians out there. And it's my belief that, um, you know, when we think about our technicians, if they're struggling check to check and they're struggling with their personal budgeting, whether that's snap on tools or college debt or medical bills or whatever it may be, they're likely to look for another job. Right. Sure, and their sure. spouse is so, probably endorsing that like, hey, look, honey, like we're just struggling week to week. You need to do something. We need to fix this. And, you know, the unfortunate piece is that I often see a technician will leave for two dollars more an hour somewhere else. They'll get that new big check and go, sweet, I'm going to go buy the four-wheeler that I've had my eye on for the last couple months. And then they're right back into this cycle of, 
oh shoot, we're check to check again. And, and it comes from just understanding, you know, basic budgeting and, and that's really where I feel like we can offer some impact. It's like, okay, if we could just have a conversation about budgeting and help them identify maybe overspending or, or, or containing costs or debt mitigation, maybe they're more likely to stay with you because they're not, you know, if they're living comfortably, you know, pay cycles, less likely to look at other opportunities. I mean, there's other factors for sure, right? Like poor culture or, you know, bad leadership or or mismanaged leadership or bad communication, right? Or I, you know, bad's a, a strong word, but um, there are reasons other than, than money that someone would leave, but it, it does seem to be a big factor. So that's sort of our mission is like, if we could just educate and have people more comfortable and understand, they're more likely to be better just through observation. Like if, if you're studying your budget and you're having conversations about it, you're less likely to spend on, on ridiculous things or, or overspend on things that don't really matter. So um, I hope that helps Kevin, but that's kind of where we're at. It's, it's so unique to everybody, but we, we really do try to provide as many resources as we, as we can. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So let's go back. One of the things you said, it was, you know, helping an owner prepare for either next generation selling to a, an employee or private equity. Mm -hmm. Right. Or a, a larger company, let's just say, uh, can't, does your company, do they, do they hire you to come in and consult with that sale process or is it, is it, is that something that you move to someone else? Yeah. So we're not business brokers, right? So we don't get involved in the actual sale of, of the company, but what we do is help provide context to the decision. We can't help with the emotional part of the decision, but we can provide the math. So we tend to look at more comprehensively around how does this affect you in the future? So when you think of a business, its sale price fluctuates based on the market, based on, you know, ultimately your business is worth what someone's willing to pay for it, regardless of financials, regardless of whatever, it really comes down to what the negotiated agreement is. But we have software, you know, Monte Carlo analysis where we can say, okay, if you were to sell your business for X at this year, how does that impact you for your future? Right. What is the monthly consequence of that? And does it make sense to do it as an installment pay payment over a period of time? Does it make sense to take it as a lump sum? Is it better for you to transfer this to your children or to that larger organization? So we, you know, through some of our tools, we're able to and really put some analysis to that decision and weigh out some of the, the considerations. And then from there, the shop owner can make their decision on, on what they feel is best, right? And sometimes the math isn't all of it. Sometimes emotion, particularly with family business, sometimes the emotion of that decision trumps all. Um, but it's it's a gray area, right? It's not black and white, like many things in all of our lives. Sure. Business, business is, every, like you said, every one of them are different. So right. Right. And, and the money that our owners take from their businesses. Right. So if it's, you know, a lot of businesses will have their salaries, but they'll also have distributions. They may have a car paid for by the company. Like there are some little nuanced things that are paid for that would go away upon the sale. So it's really helping shop owners understand their true value, what that looks like. You know, if we're catching them early on, it's helping them build as many buckets as possible to their overall balance sheet. So they've got as many choices as they possibly can down the road. Are you seeing in the in the sales of companies that you've worked with, are you seeing those uh, the evaluation of the buyer being based off of sales or off of EBITDA or what where's it falling? 
over the last few years, it's interesting. I've seen a variety. Um, I've seen certain organizations go for top line sales and certain that really focus on the bottom line. Uh, I've seen, you know, multipliers of EBITDA depending on the location. Other things that I've seen is um, it, it appears to me that they're looking for, you know, pretty large square footage buildings, 20,000 square feet or larger. They're looking for populations that have 40,000 or more. Like they're looking for certain demographics. Um, so that seems to be a key piece. And, and in many cases, I'm seeing them kind of give ad back and stuff like that, but it changes. Whatever happens for a couple months, then all of a sudden things change. So I think the only constant in that world is that they will change their mind on how they're formulating it. And, and I'm sure they all have their own formulas that they're using in order to come to the final decision price that they have. But um, I've also seen, the interesting thing is I've seen them all really request everything in Excel. So that might be like a little, if you're listening, like that's a little nugget that when they're looking for their due diligence, it typically seems to be requested in Excel. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Now, inter this is a kind of an off the wall question, but here at NCSSSI, we are a privately held employee owned company. Mm -hmm. Have have you had owners come to you asking for assistance in developing a unique ownership structure that does not gift, but allows for a, a portion of a, of an employee's bonus to come to them in stock where they now are coming to work, not just to grab a paycheck, but they become, they have a, a financial stake in that, in that organization. Are you seeing that at all? Yeah. I'm seeing all sorts of conversations. I mean, we certainly know, Kevin, that the difficulty of finding qualified employees in our industry is just paramount. It's been a problem forever, but it's just continuously this, you know, burning need to find more and more qualified technicians, especially with, you know, OEM certifications and everything else. So there, there really is sort of this um, interest, I think, in developing a plan that retains your your people and creates a culture of, of ownership and engagement. So, yeah, I think there's conversations about all, there's tons of different ways to engage it's not one solution, right? Just like, you know, for your clients, for your shops that you you guys work with, there's different paint lines, different products, different things that are right for the job, sure. right for the shop and, and all sorts of variables. Same is true for an owner kind of looking for those types of solutions. There's a lot. There's a lot of choices that they can make. And some of them are, you know, financial tools that our team can provide. And some of it's just culture. Like I've seen a big wave after COVID, where all of us are rethinking our careers, rethinking the work-life balance, rethinking what we want out of our careers and our jobs. And I'm seeing a lot of interest in flexibility around vacation or time off. Or So I think there's a, a multitude of ways that we can get better with creating that ownership and, and engaging people and and putting, you know, taking the wheels off the toolbox, if you will. I can see why you and Wendy work so well together, mm -hmm. right? Because what she does and what you do go hand in hand for sure. Yeah. So and she's so talented. I think what's cool about Wendy is she has, you know, also a similar background. She, she works in our industry. She's familiar with so many things, but I think, you know, she really has a firm grasp on the HR piece of it and having a handbook and, and going through a lot of those things. And what's nice is like, she does a lot of the coaching and leadership and, you know, she's just got a, a really great approach to different things. So yeah, she's a huge asset to, to shops as they're navigating that. Absolutely. Okay. So Rachel, those that are 
listening to this podcast, if they wanted to reach out to Torque Financial, how do they get in touch with you? Call me. Call me. Um, I, I don't know if you want me to say my number, but you know, you could message me on any social platform. You, I, it's all under all under Torque T O R Q U E Financial Group. Financial, financial a, Group. Yeah, just north of Boston and Woburn. Uh, my cell phone at 603-718-4363. Like, call me. I, I really do try to keep as much open open office hours on my week every week so that we can address questions. And even if you have a financial advisor and you think you're 99% good and you just want a second opinion, call. Like, I'd much rather see us make better decisions with our money because this career for all of us, right? For you, Kevin, for me, for Mike Patmod, for Wendy, for all the people that we've talked about, our our industry is awesome. There is just nowhere else you can get the kind of culture we have in our industry or career paths, the options. Like when I think of a young person entering our industry, there's just so much opportunity for them. Oh my like gosh, TV, yeah. And technology changes and sort of this, you know, there's certainly a wave of people retiring out. There's just going to be a great opportunity for our younger generation to make a wonderful career for themselves as we all have. That's fantastic. Everybody, that is Rachel James, Torque Financial Group. Go find her. She can help you. All right. Rachel, thank you so much for taking time. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it.